words in her journal just a couple days before. Actually, I think it was the day before these words. When a deep injury is done to us, we will never recover until we forgive. Amen. So guess what I'm going to preach on? Forgiveness. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for this powerful video, Lord, that shows us that, Lord, there's a lot of hurts. There's a lot of things that happen to us that we don't control. But God, you give us the power to forgive tonight. Lord, that's the greatest gift outside of, of our actual salvation, Lord, that we could ever understand. And, and our salvation is because of forgiveness. Father, we ask you to anoint your word tonight, soften our hearts, cause us to, to see what you see and understand what you understand. Let us leave different than when we came in tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. She was 19 years old, and she wrote that in her diary. She was part of a campus crusade for Christ, and she was waiting till the following Monday to find out if she would be approved to be a part of that group uh, as a Bible study leader. And uh, so she didn't have the opportunity to forgive that killer herself, but she did in her words before it ever even happened. She understood something was going on in her life. We don't know the details, but where she had been hurt, and I have never met in my life ever, ever, ever a person who's not been hurt. Have you? There isn't anybody. And, and we all to ourselves, if you think about it tonight, we think in our own lives because we're selfish people, no one's been hurt like me, right? That's kind of, we might not just come out and say that, but it's really a thought that we have because we're selfish people. And forgiveness is such a powerful thing. I want to go to Matthew chapter 18, if you would, and just take a couple minutes tonight just to, to, to teach you some things uh, on forgiveness. This is a message that could be preached every week. Amen. Needs to be preached every week because this is the, this is the silver lining of our salvation. This is why we're saved tonight, because Jesus forgave. You know, I think about, when I start thinking about forgiveness, I start thinking personally about the, the saying that says, to whom much is given, much is required. When we accept Christ and we say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you forgave me. We responsibly take on the, the uh, uh, action now of being able to have to walk out what Jesus did for us. It's, it's easy to accept forgiveness sometimes, but it's not so easy to forgive. And we have the greatest example. I want to I wanna, uh, give you a, a parable here. We actually went over this a little bit in discipleship last week. Um, and I want to start in verse 21 if you're there, Matthew 18. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him. Up to seven times. Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. It's funny that some of the kids were asking me math before the service. And uh, they asked me, do I like to read or do I like math? And I said, neither. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but I said, if I had to choose, definitely reading, because I'm not good at math. And then they started throwing off questions to me, and, and, and I felt kind of smart for a second because I answered them all. Uh, they asked me multiplication questions. And so coming from that age, you know, whatever grade they were in, second, third, fourth grade, I felt really smart. They asked me what 20 times 20 was, and I told them. 20 times 10. And I was, yes, bam. I was, I was like five for five. So 70 times seven, 
490, right? It's a lot of times. Nothing significant about that number other than the fact it's a whole lot more than we want to forgive. Why did he choose that number? Because what Peter was trying to do was, hey God, if somebody does me wrong, how long do I have to wait to hate them? That's really what he was asking. like, Like, how many times do I have to forgive them before I can then hold the grudge, right? And so that, that's kind of how they lived back then. They lived according to the law, and so they had to kind of have a, you know, a barrier or a standard. What, you know, what, how, do I, how do I forgive? How do I know I've forgiven? How many times do I got to do it? Seven? He's like, seven's a good number. Seven's a number of, of completion. That'll work. No, 70 times seven. So we see here in this first verse the humanity of Peter, just like us, that we are very selfish and we are very hurt and we want to be able to, in a way, hold a grudge. And he says, no, you're going to have to do it 70 times 7. Now let's look at, before we can forgive, we have to understand what we've been forgiven of. The capacity to forgive has everything to do with how we've been forgiven. And when you're saved, when you're a believer, you're given great capacity. Matter of fact, you're given capacity beyond our own power. Okay, to whom much is given, much is required. Let's see what Jesus goes on to say. I don't say seven times, seven, up to seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, watch this parable. The kingdom of heaven, verse 23, is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now, as I'm reading, I want you to put yourself in this person's life. This is talking about you and me, okay? This is not somebody else. Let's just put your name in there and my name in there and say that this, Jesus is now saying, there was in the kingdom of heaven a certain king, your name, and this is you, okay? Who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, and when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him, and you're the one who owes 10,000 talents, okay? You owe, I owe 10,000 talents. And it says, but as he was not able to pay, Okay, so we understand tonight, I'm, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to slow this down too much, but we got to understand, we owed a debt we could never pay. We, we, we could never, ever, ever, that's why we understand grace today in salvation, is we could never, ever have been good enough. And, and even though we try to do more good than bad, and, and even if we're good people, I mean, we've talked about this before, church, there's good people tonight in hell. There's, I would say there's great people in hell. People who are really, really moral. Have you ever met a person that's really, like, really, really moral? Like, they just, not perfect, but really moral, just, and, and they don't even have to be a believer. I, I, I mentioned this many times. Um, um, thank God, I, if I haven't officially said this, I want to say it tonight, that my brother-in-law, Jose, who was an atheist and got saved and is now a pastor, his father and mother were also atheists, and they were very educated, and they were, they were not believers. They were not, never went to church. They, he, they did not raise Jose in church. And uh, we began to send him Bible verses and began to tell him uh, about the Lord through what's up. Amen. Thank God for technology. And, and he started to receive these things, and now today he is a, a believer. He, he has put his faith in Jesus Christ. He is saved uh, he, he's going to church, amen, it's an absolute miracle, he's 84 years old, but I, I said before he got saved, if there was ever a man that I've met, he's not the only one, but this man, just, just goodness comes out of him, have you ever just met someone like that, they're just good, 
He's just, every time I got with him and went to their house, they, they gave us food. They sat down with us. He would shake your hand. He had a beautiful smile. He was nice. He was pleasant. He, he was just, you could just tell he was a good man. And I thought, man, if this man, I told Jose, if this, if this man, if any man could get into heaven being good, he would be in heaven. But he can't. So we can't get there by that. But we have to understand the debt we owe can never be paid by us. So this number, 10,000 talents, it might as well say a, a, a number you can't pay. That's what it's basically trying to say, which is like 70 times 7. He might as well say, uh, until you understand that you don't deserve forgiveness, but you have to give it anyways. Because you didn't, you didn't deserve it, and it was given to you, so the person that you're forgiving doesn't deserve it, but you give it to them. Until you get to that place, you're going to count. Well, I've done it 490. I'm, I got nine, you know, I got 489. I got one left. That's what we're going to do as human beings. So he says here I, that this man owed him 10,000 talents, verse 25. But as he was not able to pay, you and I not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. That's pretty severe. The servant, therefore, fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Y'all following this? Then the master of that servant was, as Jesus was, moved with compassion. Released him and forgave him the debt. That right there is a picture of the cross. It's a picture of salvation. It's a picture of you and I's debt paid by Jesus in full, forgiven, although we don't deserve it. And, and there we are right there. That's us. That's Jesus, that's us, we're forgiven. Okay? Love that song, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. Amen? Now, it says, Then the servant, or the master said, sorry, the servant went, verse 28, out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Just like 10,000 talents is a lot, a hundred denarii is nothing. And he owed him a hundred denarii, and he said, uh, and he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. And so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. Same story, right? Same situation. And he would not. Here's the crazy thing. This is not some other person. This is the person who just got forgave of all of their debts, which was thousands of times worse. And now, instead of going through life thanking his master and having a heart of compassion on people like his master had, he has immediately gone back to his old self and said, I'm going to go and I'm going to be like, like I was, and I'm not going to be like my master who had love for me and compassion for me, and I'm going to go take care of this deal, and I'm going to make this person pay for what they owe me. Here's what we see in the story. That's why it's a picture of us. So his fellow servant fell down, begged him, have patience with me, I'll pay you all, and he would not, but he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master 
all that had been done. Then his master, verse 32, went and called him and said to him, the words you and I do not ever want to hear. You wicked servant. What are the words we want to hear? Good and faithful servant. These are not the words we ever want to hear. He says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. You should not, should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers till he should pay all that was due to him. Look at verse 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So, so what do we see here? Is, is this a condemnation message? No, it's a message that says, I don't have a choice. We, we, we talked about that in that series about the fiery darts. I'm the exception. I don't have to forgive. That's what we, you know, that's, that's what we have, we think as human beings. I'm the exception. I don't have to forgive like everybody else. Yes, you do. You don't know what I've been through. Doesn't matter. Some people would say they don't care. I do care. It doesn't matter. Because when you look at someone's like, okay, so you think, well, well she was, she, she died. She didn't have a chance. We don't even know if she would have really forgiven. I saw another story today. I was going between these two stories to decide which one I wanted to show. And there was a man, let's see if this, if this name resonates with anybody, J J uh, Gary Ridgway. Anybody know that name? Gary Ridgway is the absolute worst serial killer ever in the United States. And it's not been that long. He was convicted in 2003 of killing 48 women. And he confessed to every single one of them. I could have showed that video, but I wanted to go to the other one. But I, just, I want you to understand the power of forgiveness. Because we can sit here tonight and listen, no doubt, we've had some bad stuff happen to us. But I guarantee you, there's people who have had it way worse. And, and have been able to have, what I, what I see here is a key part of the verse, from their heart, the capacity to forgive. And what they did was they showed this man with no remorse whatsoever in the courtroom. And this went on for 15 years. And I'm not going to get into a lot of details, but it was bad. The guy was bad, 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 bad. And, and he would kill from ages 15 to 30. And he would kill them. And he would take them out in the woods and bury them. And they, they, they miss, women would go missing. And so they began to build a case against this guy, took him into the courtroom, and they're sitting in the courtroom, and, and uh, they begin to, the judge begins to say, so-and-so, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're accused of murder of this woman, so-and-so, how do you plead? Guilty. Guilty. All 48 women, they went through it. And so the, the parents, the sisters, the brothers, the sons, the daughters, the people began to get up in the courtroom and do exactly what most human beings would do. They would get up and begin to talk about this loser in their eyes, this jerk, this man who deserved hell. And they, and they say these, they just showed a few clips of different women and men saying, I hope he rots in hell. 
I hope he gets, I hope he, I hope he dies a slow death. And, and listen, those are merited words. Imagine sitting in the courtroom and listening to this guy admit as your mother or sister, his name is, is, is said, and he says guilty with no remorse in his face. As you're sitting in the courtroom, the anger, the hatred, the unforgiveness that would rise up in you sitting in that courtroom and one person after another, they came up and they said, I hate you, You're, you, you deserve the worst and they just, they, just, they just gnarled at him until one man got up, broken voice, old man with gray hair and a beard and said, what you did was horrible and you make it very hard for me to be the man that God has called me to be but I forgive you. Think about that. The capacity in your heart to be able to forgive someone who has murdered in a horrible way your mother or your sister or your wife. That, that's the power of forgiveness. But our minds can't go there because because our, our minds are carnal. And the Bible says that if I walk according to my flesh, I will fulfill the lusts of my flesh. So I have to renew my mind. I have to, I have to walk in the spirit so that I will be in the spirit. I have to think in the spirit so that I can forgive in the spirit. I want to write this down if you're taking notes. The weak can never forgive. Some people say weak people forgive, and I say it's just the opposite. Forgiveness is for the strong. Unforgiveness is for the weak. Because all of us have the capacity to be unforgiving. But it takes a real man and a real woman to forgive. And who is the greatest example of all time of that? Jesus. Isn't that why we're here tonight? Can we ever lose track of why we're sitting in this place tonight? Because if it wasn't for his forgiveness, we would not be here. If it was not for his forgiveness, our name, we can, you can, you can throw in all the stuff, but the, all the butts you want to throw in there. You can spend the rest of your life throwing butts in there. And it'll never matter because Jesus was the example that he died for us while we were still sinners. And that none of us deserve his forgiveness but he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As they mocked him, as we went over that a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night. How can we hold that grudge? The weak can never forgive. Listen, forgiveness is an attribute of strong people. To be a Christian, listen, means to forgive the inexcusable. That's what we say. It's, I can't forgive that because it's inexcusable. It's, it's, too, it's too horrible. There's that, they don't deserve forgiveness. To forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you and me. In you and me. Amen. He who cannot forgive, listen, breaks the bridge over which he himself must pass. Think about that. I have to get over a bridge, and when I don't forgive, the bridge is broken. 
And, 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 and this is the thing I want you to really understand tonight. Especially if you're here and you're, and, 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 you're, and you're nodding your head on the outside, but on the inside you're saying, no way. I can't do it. I won't do it. Or whatever else. If that's you, I want you to understand that the bridge that you need to pass over, you have burnt yourself. Because what we do a lot of times as believers is we think, if I forgive, then I am uh, uh, letting that person live. I am, I am letting that person free. And I am, I am uh, stopping the poison that's hurting them. And, and, I am, and we go on with this different thing. And we don't realize the, the, the one saying that's so powerful and so true about forgiveness is that when I forgive, I let the prison door open and I realize I'm the one who was the prisoner. I'm the one who was inside the cage, not them. Because if you really think about it, if somebody's done you wrong, if somebody's hurt you, if somebody's done something that you has caused unforgiveness, many times, not always, but many times, I found in my experience, they don't even know or care. You think that you're holding them down. They don't know or they don't care. You're only hurt. And the other one is, is, is you're, you're drinking poison with unforgiveness and expecting it to hurt them. Unforgiveness only hurts one person. I know I have two hands up, one, on, one finger on each hand, okay? Unforgiveness only hurts one person, you and me. That's it. It doesn't hurt somebody else. So we, we cannot forgive. When we cannot forgive, we break the bridge over which we ourselves should pass. I want to give you a couple more verses. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Just go back a few chapters. How many are still here? How many want power? Forgiveness is power. Forgiveness is power. Jesus makes a, a statement here that we have to remember. You, you, you cannot... Just choose to say, I can't, I can't, I can't. And listen, I, I, I can tell you that for a long time I did that as a believer. I can't. And I came to realize I didn't have the capacity in my own power to forgive without God's help. A lot of people try to forgive in their own power. Can't do it. You can't do it. You have to forgive through the love of God. But part of that, the reason we we're able to and what helps us, is when we go back and look in the mirror and realize how, how bad I am. If we could just see the mirror, if we could just see what God sees in us, and I know there's a good side that God sees, that's an obvious thing, but if we could see what he sees before we get saved, if we could see who we were before Christ, you, some of you say, yeah, I know what I did, I know, but if you could see what you looked like, if you could see how inexcusable your life was, if you could see how miserable your life was, if you could see how sinful your life was, if you could see how dirty you were, if you could see how dark your life was, if you could see the reality of, of where you were going, it would constantly remind us that I am forgiven because he was forsaken. I am forgiven because he paid a price I couldn't pay. I am forgiven because of his love and his mercy and I don't deserve forgiveness. And so since he's forgiven me, I'm going to choose to have the power to forgive as well. It's a choice. It is a choice. It is. It, but, but the choice is after the word that Jesus says right here. If you forgive men, 
their trespasses, verse 14, your heavenly Father will forgive yours. That's a promise. So if, if you'll forgive, I forgive. Jesus, God basically says, I'll make a deal. You forgive, I forgive. You do good, you forgive, you let go, you, I'll forgive. What does he say in 15? But if you do not forgive, mend their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Pretty simple verses. We could try to manipulate them. We could try to change them. We could try to go find some other verses to try to X them out. We could try to do whatever we could try to do. The bottom line is, he just simply says, if you'll forgive, I'll forgive. If you don't forgive, I can't forgive. He says, you have a choice, and I have a choice. Right? God is God. We can, we can be like, God, let's make a deal, or, hey, God, let's talk about this. And God will be like, hey, you can talk all you want. But I choose, as God, creator of the world, that I'm going to forgive you if you forgive. And I'm not going to forgive you if you don't forgive. And I'm telling you, I've seen people over the years just shuck and shine and, and holler and cry and whine and stay in that state. And, 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 they're, and they're in danger of their soul. Honestly, you can't read this any other way. It's not a choice. If you want to go to heaven. If you want to be forgiven, you have to forgive. Amen? You have to forgive. Holding a grudge. This is an interesting thing because sometimes when we're, when we're unforgiving, we, we hold that grudge. It doesn't make you strong to hold a grudge. I, I think we feel like that sometimes. It makes you bitter. Holding a grudge makes you bitter. There's an old thing I've thought about for many years. Does the situation you're in make you bitter or better? Does the situation you just went through, did it make you bitter or did it make you better? Because you're going to come out one of the two. And again, that's choice. I, I can't control what somebody does to me. But I can control how I react. Right? That's the power that God gives us. What power did those, did those family members have over stopping that man from murdering their moms, sisters, and, mo and wives? Nothing. No power whatsoever. But they had the power in their hearts to say, I will forgive you. And only God can do that. Only God can put it in the heart of somebody like that woman, uh, Mary K uh, Reed, that would say, uh, it, I've realized I've been hurt and the only way for me to heal is to forgive. Amen? The only way that wound's going to heal is to forgive. Think about this. There is no love without forgiveness. And there is no forgiveness without love. Amen? You can't tro truly show love without forgiveness. And you cannot show forgiveness without love. Ephesians chapter 4. i got two more verses. Could have chose many. I wanted to just keep, a, keep it simple tonight. Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32. Give me an amen when you're there or if you've written it down. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender hearted, 
forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Right? There's the plea. Now, I'll make a statement for some of you that are like, oh, this stinks, man. I don't like this message. Can't wait till this is over. Let me just make a statement for you to make you feel a little better, maybe. When someone has done something wrong to you and you forgive them, it doesn't mean that you have to be best friends with them. So some of you are like, yes, thank God, something positive out of this message. You don't have to be best friends with them, but you do have to love them. And you do have to be cordial to them. You have to be tender-hearted. You can't forgive somebody in your heart and slap them with your hand. You can't. Or you can't forgive them in your heart and give them a dirty look. If it comes from the heart, it doesn't mean you're going to want to hang out and be best buddies. But, but the fruit of really forgiving them will mean that I don't feel the way I did before. I forgive them. Okay? So I, I, that, that's, that's important to understand. The Bible does not say you have to be best friends with them. You have to forgive them. There are relationships that are going to be severed because of things that happen, and it doesn't mean they can't be restored. They can. But obviously it takes two to tango, and so both sides have to, because the bottom line is there's going to be some people you try to forgive who won't forgive you. Or that you try to forgive that will not give back to you the response you're looking for. But he did not say, hey, if you go to that person and ask them for forgiveness and they shake your hand and they say, oh, I'm so sorry, and they get on their knees and they beg you for forgiveness, and that's, I was wrong, I was wrong, sorry, then forgive them. That's not what it says. You have to forgive them in your heart regardless of their reaction. Regardless of, see, Jesus did not forgive them as they knew not what they were doing, as they were crucifying him, he said, well, if you guys, if you guys don't take these nails out right now, I'm, I'm not going to forgive you. You better take them out. If you really, if you really, you know, he didn't do that. He knew that they wanted him on that cross. They weren't going to take him off. He said, I forgive you regardless of your reaction to me. That's true forgiveness. And really, you know, what the, I, I'm not going to go into this tonight, but the Bible even teaches us that you can reap coals, hot coals over someone's head by loving them when they know they're not lovable. Like loving them in a Christ way that they're, they don't even, they don't, they, oh, it drives me nuts that they're being nice to me. I want them to hate me. I want them to be mean to me. I want them to act like, like I act. No, be like Christ and heap those coals over them. And it, did you know the Bible even says we're supposed to love and bless and pray for those who not only have done something to us, but are our enemies. Yeah, that's a good whistle one right there. Yeah, that would have been a lot of whistle in Mexico. Amen? Did you, have you read that verse? Bless your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Doesn't mean I'm going to ask them over to the house. Doesn't mean I'm going to go eat lunch with them. Doesn't mean I even want to be with them. But I don't hate them. You can't hate and bless at the same time. Amen. Forgiving somebody may, may cost you your pride. 
Forgiving somebody may cost you your pride, but not forgiving them will cost you your freedom. Think about it. What would you rather have? Your pride or your freedom? Last verse. Colossians 3, very similar to Ephesians, a different people. And remember that when Paul's speaking these letters to Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, he's speaking to a church just like us. He's speaking to a people. He's speaking to a culture. He's speaking to a city of people and believers. Colossians 3, verse 12 and 13. And, and I like what my Bible says before I read 12. It says, the character of a new man. So I can't be like I was before I met Jesus. If, I, if Christ is in me, I've got to have a new character. And, and it doesn't mean that any of this stuff that I'm saying is easy. Nowhere in this have I said, I, and being strong is not easy. It's just being right and doing right. And, and, and laying down at night understanding I don't deserve forgiveness. But God forgave me anyways. If we have to remind ourselves of that, if we have to put little sticky notes everywhere, if we have to have an alarm go off every morning, you know, that might be a good thing. Have an alarm go off in the morning. And, uh, you know, I have that life reminders thing. Whenever I do have to remind myself of something, I send myself this thing, and it comes on at a time and a date, and it, maybe we have to send ourselves a reminder every morning, you need to forgive because you were forgiven. Right? How many could use that every day? I can, every morning, just to remind me who I am and who I am without Jesus. Amen? So he says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, long-suffering. Amen? Sometimes it's long and it's suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Didn't Jesus know what he was doing when he said, come together to church and fellowship? Because he knew if he didn't say that, we would have our own little Bible studies in our own little cliques in our houses and never come together and never have to be around other people who we might not get along with as much or don't have as much in common as us. But he said, I'm going to make these people come together and I'm going to make them learn to get along. I'm going to make them be tenderhearted, kind and loving and forgiving to each other. And he says, if anyone has a complaint against another even as Christ forgave you, so you must do if you want. No. So you must also do. Amen. I want to say one more thing tonight. That, that's, that's uh, actually I have two. Just think about this. Let no man pull you down low enough to hate him. I don't know about you, but I, I love quotes because they, they make me focus. I could think about that for a while and, and realize that when you are pulled to a place of unforgiveness, you're going down. Humility would, would pull that person up, right? Someone's hurt you, someone's done you wrong, pick them up. Don't let them pull you down to their level. If you go to the place of hate, you've allowed someone to pull you down to their level. And we don't need to go down to the level of them. We need to pull them up. 
Now, we can stick our hand out. and You know, I've, pl I've played basketball before and maybe fouled someone real hard or, or tripped them on accident. Honestly, it wasn't on purpose. And they fall, and I go to help them up. They don't want it. I can't make them. I can't make them grab my hand, but I can stick my hand out. And if they don't do it, then they don't want help. But we can at least stick their hand out. That's what God calls us to do. But then if they don't stick their hand out, he doesn't call us to kick them while they're down. Amen. <laughs> or say, oh, you dummies. You know, just, you just walk away, okay? Just put your hand out like that, okay? It's the reaction a lot of times that, that God's really watching. How are they going to react? And I want to finish with this because the flip side of forgiveness is apology. Okay? We need to learn how to apologize. Now, I'm going to finish with this. Don't close me out. This is important. We, we, we need to forgive, but we also need to learn how to apologize. And I was thinking about this. Think about, think about three things of an apology. When you go to somebody, and obviously, again, this has to come from the heart. It has to come from a, a, a true, you know, you can say it, but do you mean it type of thing. So if it's a true apology, you'd say, I'm sorry. And sometimes it's hard to get those words out. Sometimes we have to cough. Sometimes we have to, you know, what would you say? You know, you know, speak in tongues, whatever. But a true, clear, I'm sorry from the heart. And how many know that will be felt? And then the second thing would be, I, it's in the apology, I'm sorry it was my fault. That's what an, isn't that what an apology is? It was my fault. So those are, those are the two things. The third thing is, I think, where we really drop the ball. The third part of the apology is, what can I do to make it right? What can I do to make it right? Now, not always are you going to have that opportunity. Because if the other person does not accept it, or if the other person does not respond the way you want, then that's different. But in an apology... A lot of times we say we're sorry, but if we're really sorry, we want to make it right. And, and again, I know there are some circumstances and situations we can't always fix everything, but there are some times we can't. And the way you really apologize to somebody is you make it right. And, and, then, and then your actions beyond the, the apology are, are genuine. If you think about that, and this is the last statement, a lot of times the reason people can't move on from an apology is because they don't feel like it's genuine. Someone can, can say, I'm sorry, or, or, or say, I, I, you know, I want forgiveness, but then their actions are, are continued and there's no change. And so the person says, I don't really believe you were really sorry. I'm here with me. So a true apology goes a long way in forgiveness. Resistance, you can come. Father, I thank you tonight for being able to talk on a Wednesday night about the tough messages, the tough things the things that are difficult, the things that are, are for the strong, not for the weak. And Father, as we're praying tonight and, and not losing focus at this moment about what your spirit is speaking to us, I stand before you and ask you to help me every day, Father, to remember, let me never forget what I looked like before I met you what my destiny was before I met you, how dirty I was before I was forgiven, how lost I was, how horrible I was. 
how unbearable I was, how inexcusable I was. Because, Lord, when you remind me of that, not in a guilt way. Church, as you're praying tonight, don't receive that in a way of guilt. We, we have to get beyond the guilt. We, we, this is not a, a place where God wants us to be shameful anymore because the Bible says, and we talked about this in discipleship, when he forgives us, he forgives us as far as the east is from the west. So it's not a guilt thing. But to whom much is given, much is required. The worse person you were, the harder of a person you were, the more difficult of a person you know you were, should make you that much more forgiving. Should help you, if you think, man, I'm, I'm tough, I'm a, I'm a hard-hearted person, I, I struggle with this, that should cause you even more to understand how much Jesus loves you. How much grace he had over your life. To understand the capacity that he had to forgive me. Romans 5 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, it says. What a miracle. For Christ died for the ungodly. I don't know about you, but I, I have a hard time grasping that. It's unbelievable that Jesus would die for me, knowing a great percentage of humanity was going to reject him. Knowing that a great percentage of humanity was going to spit in his face, yet he still died for me and still loved me. Listen to this closely. He still loved me. He still loved that person. He still loved that sinner as much as he loves the one who accepts him. How am I going to forgive tonight? When you understand God's forgiveness. What a love. God, help me love like you love. Help me be merciful like you're merciful. Give me the glimpse I need in my life to understand that there's bridges in my life that I am burning and I am tearing down that I need to pass over and I need to forgive. All over this place tonight as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're not saved in this place. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Tonight is the night of your salvation. You can say, that's me, just by putting your hand up and say, would you pray for me? I don't know Jesus. I've never accepted him as Lord and Savior, and I want to do that right now. Maybe you're listening online. You can say a prayer right now to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. As we're praying and as we're sitting there, maybe you're here. And this is, I'm not going to do this public. This is between you and God. This is not a moment where uh, I'm looking around or asking uh, you to show me anything. This is between you and God. Tonight, you need to, to decide. Have I been that person who has held a grudge and not forgiven somebody that would cause me to not be forgiven tonight? Have I been living my life every day and saying, God, forgive me for my sins? And as I'm saying that, Jesus is saying, I can't because my word binds me. I'm bound to my word. 
I cannot forgive you because you do not forgive. If that's the case, tonight's the night you say, God, I'm sorry for that. I'm going to stop that. I'm going to start forgiving, and I'm going to need your help. Nowhere in this message have I said that you don't need God's help for that because you do. You need his help. But if you truly make a decision to forgive, God will give you the capacity to forgive. And he will give it to you in a way where it will not be words, but it will be heartfelt action. As we stand to our feet tonight, we're going to open up the altar. We're going to find a place. I, uh, I, would, I, would, I would challenge everyone just to find a place. I don't want anybody to feel... Uh, pointed out or anything. This is a message all of us always have to be dealing with. And let's just pray and let's just sing this song and let's just uh, do uh, internal business this tonight. Let's just check ourselves and look inside and see if there's anything in our lives that, that we need to work on in this area. The power of forgiveness.
that forgiveness and, and did his act and did his action an amazing thing and then you could go one step further with what Jesus did for us he literally in salvation would have gone over and opened the door and let that man free and him take his place that's what Jesus did for us can you fathom that not only did he forgive us he took our place that, that man on the outside had been nothing but hurt, 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 hurt. And he said, I forgive you. But Jesus took it a step further. He didn't just say he forgave us. He gave his life. 
He actually gave. That's what God's calling us to do. Not just say, not just say it, but actually do it. We've been given freely, freely we need to give. And, and when we get to that place, we feel like we can't forgive. We need to look in the mirror and remember what we deserve. Say, God, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for loving me when I was not lovable. Remember that. He didn't love us. You know, have you ever tried to love someone when they're hateable? It's easy to love somebody when they're hugging you back, loving you back. But he loved us on our worst day. When we weren't lovable, he still loved us. And the crazy thing that I, can, I can't get over myself is that he loved me knowing not in my case, thank God, but if it was me, knowing that I was going to reject him. It's hard to understand that love. And we need to remind ourselves of that, that he loved us with the conditions of the fact that many were going to reject. Have you ever really thought about that? I think about it all the time. Would I have done that? It's one thing to die for somebody. You know, if, if, if that man would have gone and taken his father's place and then let his father know let his father go and say, man, I want you to live the last 20, 30 years of your life, you know, free, and I'm going to take your place. I'm young, and that'd be all great. What if, what if that son knew when he let his father go, he was going to go out and be worse? Can you imagine still taking his place? That's what Jesus did. He didn't do it conditionally on what we were going to react. He did it out of love. And that's the act that we need to do when we forgive somebody. Don't, that's where we fail a lot of times is we look for the reaction. Well, I'll forgive them if they respond the right way. Your power is the power to forgive regardless. That's the power you have. You can't have any control over them, but you have the power to forgive. Amen. Let's say this prayer tonight. Jesus, we love you with all of our hearts, and we thank you from the very bottom of our hearts, the depth of our soul, for your forgiveness. It's hard, Lord, to forgive. But we realize how hard it was for you to forgive us. And Jesus, we ask you to give us your love and your compassion and your mercy and remind us of who we were without you. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior my faith and my belief is in what you did on the cross for my sins. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for helping me forgive and being the best example of love on this earth that I can be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.